Part of the problem of Lightning's shortcoming regarding scalability of Bitcoin ownership is that in order to open a channel or control a UTXO, you actually have to transact on the base layer. After that, Lightning can facilitate a very large number of transactions off-chain, but a user must still transact on-chain to onboard themselves to Lightning. It massively increases the number of transactions Bitcoin can process, but it does nothing at all to increase the number of people who can own Bitcoin. The Best in Bitcoin Made Audible I am Guy Swan, and this is Bitcoin Audible. What is up, guys? Welcome back to Bitcoin Audible. I am Guy Swan, the guy who has read more about Bitcoin than anybody else you know. This show is brought to you by Swan and CoinKite. Buy, learn, and integrate Bitcoin into your life at swan.com and withdraw that Bitcoin to your keys on the cold card hardware wallet. Links to our sponsors are right in the show notes. Now, we have been talking about lightning and scaling and all this sorts of stuff. Uh, a lot recently, and obviously because of the high fees and everything that's been going on, it's obviously more, you know, front of mind anyway, but it's exciting to feel like a lot of that conversation is actually moving forward, and we seem to have come back around to CTV again, and the idea of scaling the ownership of a UTXO, which I think a really good prerequisite to this and how to think about it um, is the re- Rethinking Lightning episode, the read from last week. I will have the link in the show notes. That's a really great precursor to this conversation. And we have an article today by Shinobi, another of his many on Bitcoin Magazine, breaking down CTV and discussing conceptually why it is a, a huge scaling benefit and a great primitive to have, what it does, and kind of what the ins and outs of it are, and, and how to think about scaling when it comes to the idea of a virtual UTXO. And just so you know, it's, it's really about covenants in general, but it's basically through the context of CTV specifically as a covenant proposal, because it's the one that's already got like systems that are proposed to be built with it. But we will have a long guy's take after this, to dig into all of the nit and gritty and, of course, explain any of the more technical and jargony stuff to try to get a simple layman's version if some of it is hard to digest in audio. But first, we will jump into today's article. And it's titled, How CTV Can Help Scale Bitcoin Written by Shinobi Lightning has offered a path to massively improve the scalability of transactions conducted using Bitcoin, but has offered no meaningful path to scaling the ownership of coins on the network. CTV opens the door to addressing that missing piece of the scaling puzzle. January 12, 2024 Op Check Template Verify has once again become a focal point in the conversation about improvements to scale Bitcoin. This time around, there are many more alternative designs for covenants being proposed, 
and actual concrete designs that make use of CTV as scaling solutions, like timeout trees and arc. The conversation has a much larger depth of concepts to take into consideration, both in terms of alternatives that could be adopted, as well as concrete proposals that CTV could enable. One narrative circulating from the camp of people against CTV is that, quote, CTV doesn't scale Bitcoin. Let's charitably interpret that to mean that CTV itself does not scale Bitcoin. Things you can build with it do. Well, then that is not a coherent argument. Segregated witness did not scale Bitcoin. Check lock time verify and check sequence verify did not scale Bitcoin. But the Lightning Network, which those three proposals enabled, does scale Bitcoin. They add a massive amount of overhead for transactional throughput to grow beyond the constraints of the blockchain itself. Lightning literally couldn't exist without those base layer primitives. The problem with Lightning, though, is that it only scales the number of transactions that can be processed. It does not in any way help improve the scalability of ownership over UTXOs or increase the number of users who can control one. Lightning is currently not capable of doing that with its current design and the current set of consensus primitives available in Bitcoin script. CTV can change that. UTXOs and virtual UTXOs. Part of the problem of Lightning's shortcoming regarding scalability of Bitcoin ownership is that in order to open a channel or control a UTXO, you actually have to transact on the base layer. After that, Lightning can facilitate a very large number of transactions off-chain, but a user must still transact on-chain to onboard themselves to Lightning. It massively increases the number of transactions Bitcoin can process, but it does nothing at all to increase the number of people who can own Bitcoin. This is another big problem CTV can help with. Burak coined the term virtual UTXO for his ARC proposal, but I think this terminology is a perfect general term useful far beyond the context of ARC. A virtual UTXO is one committed to being created in the future through mechanisms like a pre-signed transaction, but that hasn't actually been created on-chain yet. Bitcoin does not have the block space for everyone to create a single UTXO at the scale of the world population, but there is definitely potential for people to have their own independent virtual UTXO if the process of committing to those can be made scalable. Scaling the creation of commitments to virtual UTXOs is the problem. Right now, there is no way to create them except through the use of pre-signed transactions, and this introduces a bottleneck that must be addressed. The number of virtual UTXOs any real UTXO can commit to is bounded by the size of the multi-sig set signing these transactions. To trustlessly create VUTXOs, the owner of every VUTXO must be part of the multi-sig key that is signing the transactions that commit to creating them. Otherwise, they have no guarantee that conflicting transactions will not be generated that voids their ability to claim their virtual UTXO if necessary. The problem of coordinating the signing of this between every member of the set 
introduces practical considerations that will ultimately severely limit the size any pool of virtual UTXOs can grow to. The only other alternative is to have some trusted party or parties sign the transactions committing to everyone's virtual UTXOs and simply trusting them not to steal those funds from the rightful owners. CTV offers a solution to both of these problems. By being able to non-interactively commit to a set of future transactions the same way pre-signed transactions do, but without requiring every owner of the virtual UTXOs those transactions create to coordinate signing, it solves the coordination problem. At the same time, because no one needs to interact, a single person could take the role of funding the CTV output that commits to everyone's virtual UTXOs, unfurling on-chain, and zero trust in that person after the funding transaction is confirmed is required. Once that real UTXO is confirmed in a block, the person who funded it has no ability to undo or double-spend the future transactions it has committed to. Keep in mind that a virtual UTXO can be whatever you want it to be. It can be a lightning channel, a multi-sig script for cold storage, etc. CTV does what the current form of lightning does not. It scales actual ownership of Bitcoin, not just the number of transactions it can process. Cut through the shortcut. One of the other criticisms of CTV as, quote, not scaling Bitcoin is that by committing to future transactions, you do not escape the need to put them on-chain eventually, and so therefore CTV doesn't actually help improve scalability. I like to call this the op-if fallacy, i.e., once people start talking about CTV, they forget op-if exists and that scripts can actually have multiple spending conditions to choose from. The most powerful things about Taproot are the ability to construct multisigs by just adding two public keys together and sign for them with a single aggregate signature, and to only selectively reveal a single if branch of a script that has multiple ways to be spent. Combined with CTV, this offers a very powerful way to make use of virtual UTXO commitments. Rather than make a chain of transactions using purely CTV, they can be constructed with the CTV spending path buried inside a taproot tree. The end of the chain of transactions are all the individual VUTXOs each participant owns, locked to that user's public key alone. As you go backwards towards the root of the tree, each set of keys that are below any node in the tree can simply be added together and used as the Schnorr multisig key that the CTV spend path is buried under. This means that it at any point in the chain of transactions unfurling on-chain to actually turn the virtual UTXOs into real UTXOs, where you can get every participant in an intermediate UTXO to coordinate with each other, everyone can simply cooperatively sign a transaction moving their coins where they want to go in a more efficient way than simply letting the predefined transaction flow unfurl all the way to morph their virtual UTXOs into real ones. This allows small subgroups to escape needing to actually unfurl the entire set of transactions pre-committed to on-chain, 
without introducing any trusted parties to rely on or weakening the security of each user's claim to their own virtual UTXOs. These two simple realities offer a massive gain in scalability for Bitcoin without compromising on individual sovereignty or security in doing so. And all we need in order to realize them is CTV. Acknowledgements. I would like to thank everyone who participates at the Chicago BitDevs for helping me formulate these observations in a concise way through discussion. If you're a company looking to get into Bitcoin, and specifically you want to be involved, you're trying to build around Bitcoin, and you want Bitcoiners as employees, something you should definitely consider offering is Bitcoin savings automatic purchases as part of a benefits plan as well as getting Bitcoin on your balance sheet to automate your Bitcoin investment, your custody, and your management strategy. You can do all of this at swan.com. Swan Bitcoin not only has automatic buys, uh, and with Swan Private, they've got target buys, so you can set up not only your recurring monthly or weekly purchase and automatic withdrawal, which is what I do. It just buys all of the time and it reaches a threshold and automatically sends those coins directly to my cold storage. I wish you could understand the level of assurance that that gives. I don't have to do anything. Plus, they have retirement accounts. You can set up an IRA in minutes. They have the inheritance and estate planning. They have the vault and multi-signature collaborative custody solution so that if it, things ever go wrong, you can use SWAN to help you recover. Things aren't entirely dependent on you securing one set of keys. SWAN has an entire suite of financial services to help learn, secure, hold your keys, to understand good management, good practices, learning why you shouldn't trade this and what the long-term prospect really is. And they are Bitcoin only, so they are not going to be telling you about a new airdrop or encouraging you to trade and buy a bunch of crap back and forth so that they can just rake in the fees as you fight to keep the money you already earned. At Swan, it's about simple, it's about automated, it's about self-custody. Check them out at swan.com guy. Or of course, just download the app from the App Store or Google Play Store. You'll find both right on that same page. All right. So this was a really great article. Uh, another huge thank you to Shinobi uh, for always being the one to quickly and succinctly break down these um, the technical details of a lot of the different proposals and where they may fit into Bitcoin's future. And he specifically talks about CTV in this one because CTV has kind of been around for longer and, you know, we went through, I guess it was like 2021, maybe we went through all this fuss and drama about, you know, it being pushed on everything. Um, that's when we had the episodes where I tried to, uh, I argued against it and tried to make an assessment of what I saw as a bunch of different attack vectors and then continually beat against this thing and had a lot of private conversations had a lot of argument. I found that really one of the big issues was that some of the proponents just didn't understand it well enough to explain why some of these things weren't issues. But then there were some people who did really understand it, and it was really just kind of a process of finding them and then laying out my concerns with it and the 
a lot of the concerns that were just kind of ridiculous, um, which even I just really quick quickly found out that this was just not this was not a thing, and it was there was nothing about CTV that enabled it. Like the one of the ones that uh, everybody was concerned about the recursive covenants, uh, which is which there are some proposals that enable this. And what's cool is that there are a lot of benefits from recursive covenants in the sense that you can do a lot of incredibly incredibly powerful things with them and there are potentially some really phenomenal scaling tools uh, that could come from that but it does run a risk because you could essentially put some sort of restriction or lock on a set of bitcoin that could virtually never be unlocked that like it was always limited in how it could be spent or who it could be spent to and outside of uh like one transaction, you know, committing to an exit essentially from a particular UTXO, which is what something like CTV does and then leaves it at that. Like you just can't do another layer of it unless you have already pre-done a layer of it, so to speak. You have to do it privately and you are the one who signs and like pulls this off. You can't be given Bitcoin that then has some sort of baggage, some lean on it, so to speak, from some uh, previous covenant. That is scary, but that has nothing to do with CTV, even though that was one of the major arguments against it. But really, that that sort of an issue itself is, I think it becomes a fungibility issue, is that you can't be given, you could be paid Bitcoin that aren't the same as other Bitcoin. But again, that has nothing to do with CTV. That was just a, uh, I guess, just a misunderstanding. It was FUD that was painted onto CTV during the whole drama. But we're back around. We're back around to realizing that the bulk of this wasn't true. Uh, a lot of the, and I talked about it, you know, as I got to the end of my little journey that I, I, turned, I turned around and suddenly I was supporting CTV. My whole transaction grenade thing that I thought was a concern wasn't. It did not, the incentives did not at all misalign like I thought they did. And then I also better understood the benefits of CTV. It was kind of amazing how bad I felt the salesman, so to speak, the marketing for CTV really was because it seemed vague as to what this could actually accomplish. And I feel like the best argument actually just heard. I just heard the other day on Rethinking Lightning in Ben the Carmen's episode because even when I began to get down to the finer details of what CTV does and realized what a huge benefit it was, um, the supposed congestion control transactions and, you know, channel pools and all this stuff, it just, again, it just seemed vague. It didn't seem like very direct as to what you could actually do with it. And I, I realized that to some degree it was like, well, we hadn't designed proposals for it. We didn't have new protocol designs that could take advantage of it. But I really think the framing that Shinobi hits here and that Ben the Carmen hit really well in Rethinking Lightning, that post on Noster, was that distinction that Lightning scales payments and CTV scales ownership. Now, I want to make sure since Shinobi used some, a lot of technical and, you know, terminology and things, it, it can be hard to follow sometimes. So I want to make sure people understand what this means. So with Lightning Network, what it means is that if I have a single UTXO, but I open it as a Lightning channel, I can do tens, hundreds, thousands, literally 
infinite, an infinite number of payments within that UTXO. Now, there are obviously limitations that I wouldn't necessarily want to. I might obviously need a bigger UTXO in, to, in order to do payments or in order to receive. You know, like I wouldn't always just if, if somebody sent me $1,000 and I just sent to and from that same channel, it's not as if like at one point I might need $1,100, which means I'll need to go back on chain and I'll need to change that available liquidity. But nonetheless, from the context of payments, anything within a UTXO that I own, a channel that I have created on chain, I have an infinite number of payments that I can accomplish. But nothing about my owning that UTXO is any more efficient on the, uh, on the blockchain side of things. When we're talking about Bitcoin on chain, anytime my ownership of new Bitcoin is added into the equation, it still requires on-chain transactions, which means that the on-chain transaction establishes ownership and opens up a doorway, a window into Lightning, which allows for a massive scaling of the potential payments of the Bitcoin that I own. But it does not in any way alter the ability or the scale at which we can onboard new people with new UTXOs. Every onboarding still requires a new on-chain transaction, and that's just to get started. That is to have sovereign keys, where every single person can actually hold their own keys. Now, those people can make thousands of payments without necessarily making a ton of new UTXO bloat and taking up all of this on-chain data. But if they are going to hold their own keys, if they are going to do this non-custodially, they each need a UTXO. And that scaling profile, that scaling primitive, has not been solved, or at least has not had a solution that we can use. But CTV absolutely, Covenants absolutely solve this. And even better is it solves it in a really simple way. This is the really powerful thing about Covenants is that it is locked to a transaction that is locked with your key. So even though they are virtual UTXOs, they are quote-unquote as real as a normal UTXO in the context of your control and your ownership. So the simplest way to imagine this is that what Lightning does is it has a clever scheme to enable a party, to enable multiple parties, to do tons of different transactions within a single UTXO, so within a single Bitcoin address and balance. So if you have one Bitcoin, uh, a, a one Bitcoin sent to you to an address, but that is opened as a lightning channel, well, you can do an endless number, essentially indefinite number of transactions to and from that address on the lightning network within that one Bitcoin limit. What CTV, what covenants in general allow, is for that one Bitcoin address to actually be granularly owned by 10, 100, 1,000 different people, and most specifically in a non-interactive way, which means that they don't have to be there to prove it, they don't have to be there to enforce it, not, they don't all have to get together and sign at the same time. It's completely passive. You give the address, the, the signed transaction, 
that you want it to go to, and then they can add it. And when it is in a confirmed address of that of this one Bitcoin in this ad this particular address, that there is a covenant, there is a CTV proof that point one of it goes to you. Well, end of story. You own that point one Bitcoin, and that's it. There is no ambiguity. There is no if ands or buts about it. You own those that point one Bitcoin within that one Bitcoin address because the only thing that can the only valid signature that can be provided the only valid way to unroll that one Bitcoin address is for point one of it to go to you that scales ownership so if you want to think about what it is think about the incredible benefit the incredible level of functionality and fascinating new protocols and new things that you can do with just multi-sig multi-sig lightning is enabled entirely because of multi-sig because of multi-sig and time locks essentially so two instructions multiple people have to be here to sign it and if multiple people aren't here there's another option where you have to wait and then there's the vaults systems like swan and unchained and where you share your keys and you can actually have a service or a custodian um, that actually doesn't have control over your funds, they can be there to help and recover one of your keys in case you lose one of your keys. That's a huge deal for like normie custody. Then you've got DLCs where you can have multiple participants to a party and you can have some third party piece of data that is signed that's not even part of the transaction be the ultimate de decision, the ultimate decider as to who actually owns those coins. Then you've got federations where you can create trusted arrangements because you can have a series of if five keys, if 10 keys, if 100 keys, sort of, uh, you know, trees of options uh, that allow to allow you to distribute trust. This is multisig is an insanely powerful tool and every single other set of like protocols and like new systems that are being built on top of this thing, practically everything uses it. Multisig is an extremely simple or extremely fundamental uh, primitive built into Bitcoin, and it is one of the most powerful tools. But one of its biggest drawbacks is that everyone has to be present in order to collaborate on that signature. So it scales like garbage. It doesn't scale, it's not got a problem scaling cryptographically. It's not got a problem scaling with the fact that like we can't, it's really hard to do it with a thousand signatures. The math is essentially the math. I mean, it's not quite that simple, but it is in a, in a sense. The problem is getting a thousand people together to all sign something so that when it's handed back and forth, it is still valid. And that if one person doesn't show up, now we have a huge problem because 999 people are basically left with their thumbs up their butts because one person went offline or their kid was screaming and they had to run in and figure out what the hell was going on. And the longer it takes him to sort some sort of a problem out, the more likely it is that somebody else is going to have one of those problems or somebody else has to leave when he comes back. And ultimately, you might never end up in a situation where literally all thousand people are actually available. It is insanely hard to coordinate across time at that scale. And therefore, it severely limits the number of the scale of the trust separation, the scale of the dividing up of the trust in a lot of these systems like federations and, you know, sidechain systems. Like, I mean, you think about it, if you could scale 
that uh, multi-sig interaction. That's where you could potentially have a sidechain that's entirely built upon the signatures of all the people in the group. Or you could have a million people in a sidechain and all of their s signatures are required in order to move the relevant amount of funds. So if you want to think about what CTV is and what it enables, and this isn't very accurate in form in exactly how it operates, but in function as the consequence, this is generally gives the right picture as to what you can do with it. CTV is like a multi-sig that is non-interactive and has explicit details over what is owned within the multi-sig so that you can have multi-sig access to only your piece of it. So it's not that you're in a federation with 20 people and you all collectively own 50 Bitcoin and you've made yourself a little side chain and you're running services and stuff. And as long as you're in uh, you know, the right group with the majority, then everything's fine. And the entire 50 Bitcoin are you know, controlled or unilaterally decided upon with those groups. Instead, you own an explicit amount. You have a signature ready, like you have a signed, completely ready and completely verifiable means to go to the chain and remove 1.7 Bitcoin from that group. And you are the only one who holds it. You are the only one who has that key. You are entirely sovereign in being able to remove that from the group. Unless you do get together and you change that arrangement voluntarily in, the, in a cooperative option or a cooperative branch of this group. So the virtual UTXO, the VUTXO here, is a Bitcoin address that doesn't yet exist, but that by yourself, not only without anyone else's permission, but explicitly if they say that you cannot, you can and will be able to take that UTXO, that amount of Bitcoin, directly to the chain and publish that transaction so that it goes straight to you and there's nobody else who can do anything with it. It is behind that confirmation of that previous transaction and your virtual UTXO have essentially as much guarantee as if it's already in that UTXO. You still have to pay a fee to get it there if you need it to be there, if you need to do something else with it, but that is the only thing preventing it from being there. And what this sort of structure would enable, if you had a path where cooperatively, not only could you continue forward, but you can actually subgroup out. He specific, Shinobi, Shinobi specifically mentions this. He's talking about being able to subgroup out the, an additional layer of CTV. So a good example would be you have kind of more of a business or service, like an LSP sort of thing, like a breeze or a, a block tank or an async, these sorts of institutions that are running big nodes and they're doing a lot and they have a group, they have a CTV group, a pool of people where there's a bunch of different people that own individual UTXOs. However, what they don't know, and I'm a part of this, right? I'm using this service. What they don't know is that the UTXO that I hold, the V UTXO, the virtual UTXO, that any, any money leaving that institution would go to, is also a CTV pool with all of my friends and family and the audio knots and like a bunch of people in my social circle. And they each have a, a virtual UTXO that is a branch off of my virtual UTXO. But here's the cool thing is that that could actually be just a branch that they hold where the other is that we could all agree to change our pool 
and update it without ever going to chain. And then same with me and the other group that I'm in the, with the LSP and that institution is obviously I have that virtual UTXO to pay everybody else out, but then I also could just update it. We could agree to update it with that institution and never actually go on chain. So what that does is the exact thing that we want Bitcoin to do is be the ultimate arbiter of who owns what. A global court that no one can corrupt and that every single person has the ability to exit to, but that 99% of the time don't need to because the ability to exit is what keeps people honest. If you know you can't get anything, all you can do is burn money, what's the likelihood that you're going to try to steal something? Now, the reason people, or at least I think, I'm assuming, uh, in trying to understand the argument, people say that this is not a scaling technology, is that it means that if anyone needs to enforce their ownership, they still have to go on chain. But the thing is, is you only need to do it in times of conflict. In my opinion, it's the same as saying that Lightning doesn't scale payments because in order to enforce any of the individual payments, you have to go to on-chain. Except that it means that 9,000 out of 9,001 transactions, you don't have to go on-chain. So it absolutely scales payments. And whether or not we're saying that it scales the proof, the, the, the absolute end-all confirmation of all of those payments, well, no, because they're specifically being done off-chain. That's the entire point of scaling in layers is you don't want to have to if you don't need to. So in some theoretical sense that every single lightning payment cannot be enforced on every single channel, yes, that's 100% true. In that way, it doesn't scale anything. But in a practical sense, it obviously and massively scales transactions. It just, it simply does. We see it and use it that way all the time. Why? Because trust works most of the time. What you want is sovereignty when trust fails. You want that option, but sovereignty is always going to be expensive, especially when you want it in a larger network. That cost is always going to be bigger the larger the network you want sovereignty from. Right now, Bitcoin sovereignty doesn't cost a lot because you only get it within the Bitcoin network. You don't get it from the banking and financial system. You have to take all of the risks, all of the volatility, all of the technological know-how, everything that Bitcoin comes with in order to be fully sovereign. And that still comes with a lot of frustrations and a lot of pain. There are bear markets in Bitcoin. It's hard to use. It's got a very small network when it comes to both merchant and just normal, normal public adoption. You still have to use fiat to get by, or at least the fiat rails and the fiat network. So the larger that becomes the greater the cost of sovereignty will be because you're getting sovereignty among a much larger network. But anyway, Lightning scales payments. Going back to the major, the, the bigger point. Lightning scales payments, uh, or doesn't scale payments, theoretically in the exact same way that CTV doesn't scale ownership. Because technically, if you want to enforce all of those individual Lightning payments, you have to go on chain. But the simple fact of the matter is, is that you don't have to enforce them all. Because lightning works. Because you always can go on chain. So why waste all of the resources, all of the time, and all of the frustration of trying to challenge what anyone can take on chain and prove? And actually, when you think about it, when you actually think about the dynamic, 
you can still lose technically in the lightning situation. The, the, the entire network can be DDoSed. Um, everything can be overloaded. The mempool can be overloaded. You can have that like really clever little replace, uh, replacement uh, trick where it can knock out your transaction with obviously huge amount of nodes you know, connected and controlling the channels and all this. There's always these caveats of the degree of control or prior arrangement you already have to have with this person for these attacks to even work. But regardless, there's a larger capacity for your ownership on the Lightning Network to not actually work out. I mean, you could just be offline and forget to broadcast and somebody could get the challenged or the invalid state actually, con actually confirmed. It's specifically a time lock enforcement. CTV is not that way at all. CTV scales ownership far more sovereignly than Lightning is because there's no, there's no question. If you have a virtual UTXO, it's yours. If it gets DDoSed or whatever and you know fees are really high, you just have to pay more. But if you don't want to pay more, you can just wait. It's, nobody's going to take it from you. Unless you are specifically part of some pool that you chose that says in a month they can edit the whole thing or sweep all the funds or whatever, unless you publish a chain, that virtual UTXO is as good as the UTXO. The only thing in its way is to confirm a transaction. But the really cool thing is how well this serves, or excuse me, this scales the systems we already have. Here's the fascinating thing about something like an LSP. This essentially allows massive batch lightning channels. So an LSP right now, with all of the relevant customers like Breeze and Async or whatever, they've got the, the you know, Breeze SDK and Greenlight, where it will automatically spin up a node and it will automatically open up a channel with whoever, you know, whatever user comes onto the network. Well, that means that every single new user has a new UTXO. But as soon as they start, you know, paying out, they can pay over the Lightning. So this massively scales the payments after you onboard people, but it doesn't solve the onboarding problem. Now, what if those LSPs switched to a CTV style lightning opening where every single user had a virtual UTXO that had a virtual address with Bitcoin in it. And what the LSP did is that every two hours or so it would collect all of the new CTV balances and transactions or whatever, and then batch, batch them into a new UTXO. So everyone just had virtual UTXOs with lightning channels in them, and then they could operate on lightning network. So what this could essentially do is it could turn what would have been a hundred different lightning, let's say in, let's say it's a two hour window that they update this new thing. And for that two hours, it's trust because there's not, an, there's not a confirmation on chain yet, but they're waiting for more people to come on or more uh, channels to need updating or payments or whatever. So in that two hours, they have a hundred people join or alter liquidity or want to open up a new channel with a different person. And so they all submit this change within that two hours. Well, now that LSP can send out, can update from the one UTXO before the one address with the Bitcoin balance, can now just update to a new one with a new entire tree of CTV, of um, virtual UTXOs committed to, that just include these hundred additional changes. And it's still one address and the one fee, which might have been let's say it's $10, is now split among 100 different people because it's still just one address. 
So on their respective Lightning wallets, each one of them pays $0.10 cent to change their liquidity and channel balance and you know new channels and all of that stuff. They can change anything they want within it. And they only paid $0.10 cent, while transaction fees on the main chain are $10. But if the LSP ever goes offline, if the channels ever break down, whatever it is, you can essentially exit from that system entirely sovereignly. When all else breaks, or everyone else tries to cheat you, for $10 or really kind of $20 because you have to do it twice, you can get all of your Bitcoin into an address that you control entirely by yourself on your cold card, like, like buried in your deepest cold storage. And you have that power unilaterally. That is exactly what scaling Bitcoin is. That is exactly how we scale Bitcoin. Now, maybe there is a better proposal. Maybe there's another you know, additional op code, some other primitive or functionality that can, in a sense, do the exact same thing. But that's the concept. You want to granularize the ownership of a UTXO. You want to be able to subdivide transactions and balances. Transactions into uh, a bunch of payments and balances into a bunch of different users and a bunch of different owners. And what's even cooler is with that sort of a primitive, if you have just a few of those really foundational tools or functionality, the number of other protocols and other designs and other things that you can build on top of it, like the ones we bring up are just kind of like the most obvious. They're the, they're the kind of simplest sort of construction of how this could benefit uh, you know, joint ownership. But who knows what other things will actually be constructed once you have these tools and you get to think, you know, embed them kind of in your thinking and in your mental frame. And we realize how many other places that these things can be used and how valuable they can be to enforce sovereignty in a bunch of different scenarios. And one of the other things that maybe I could, I don't know it to the point of specificity that, that there could be kind of a layer of CTV or the, these covenant ideas um, that I'm missing, but they also seem simple. Like it's not an elaborate construction like a lightning channel with multiple branches. Like CTV itself is just a, the next transaction is going to do this and it's committed and you can't sign it without it. The construction and implementation seems to have a really small attack surface and a really clear path to execution. Like there's, there's not really any ambiguity and there's not a lot of moving pieces here. It's just kind of a sub-signature, in a sense. It's a hash lock that includes the next thing that's going to happen. So that's one of the things that I really like about CTV. It's simple is better, in my opinion. And the number of different things you can do, it, it's a big enough deal, just thinking about it in the concept of it's kind of like multisig in a non-interactive way, where you can specify an exact amount. I mean, like, think about it if you just if you just released a multi-sig that could do that. That would be the biggest, that would be a huge deal. So, anyway, um, great article. I love that CTV is kind of back in the spotlight after all of the kind of nonsense and drama. Um, and also that we have real proposals on how to utilize it. Both ARC and timeout trees are really clever ways of how to build services where build a service on top of this functionality that ends up pr providing tons of this, you know, payments and privacy benefit while 
also having unilateral exit. And like, I think that's the goal. That's it. How can we give privacy? How can we give, you know, payment scaling? How can we scale ownership where everyone still has the unilateral authority to go on chain? Whatever the price of going on chain is, the goal is to figure out how many people we can split that between so that we don't have to pay it by ourselves when we want to enforce our ownership. And also without, you know, being a, you know, oh, the sky is falling and, you know, let's rush something. I don't, I don't like the idea of rushing anything. Um, so there's part of me that wants to push back against this and there's part of me who thinks this is a really uh, prudent perspective is that traditional finance is here. The ETFs are launched and there's a whole lot of people who are going to show up into Bitcoin in the middle of a bull market. That they're going to be like, we did this and they're going to think that they're in charge of Bitcoin now and that they're going to fix Bitcoin. And this isn't like, oh, this is the type of people, even though it absolutely is Wall Street and traditional finance and central banks and all of this stuff. These are exactly the type of people who I think would be most likely to do that. But absent of that, every single bull market has had this. The new people come in and now they're interested in Bitcoin. It's like, oh, well, you know, it should really do it this way. There is a I just found Bitcoin and I'm here to fix it meme because of actual people that exist in every single bull market. And that means it might get harder to implement things like this. It, no, check that. It will get harder to implement the things like this, especially if it's on a proposal that we're advocating for better privacy and, you know, better able to hide from large institutions and surveillance systems and censorship and all of this stuff. They're going to want Bitcoin to move in the opposite direction, not in our direction, which means in the context of covenants, it would be a lot better than not for us to have a client today that we were running that implemented CTV in two years. Not that we need to rush implementing it. We could do it in five years. But if we set that today and get the ball rolling, then it will seem like this plan was already there when they got here, as opposed to they got here and now they have input on what we're going to do. So just something to think about. Again, I don't like the idea of rushing it, but that's why I'm happy with giving it a very long timeline. There's no rush to implement CTV in six months. Like we don't have to, we don't have to get here before the ETFs get any liquidity. We just need to be getting out the client for implementing this thing in three years. Three years. I think that's a totally fair number. 2027. Then maybe we can leave ourselves a window for early activation. Let's say that if it reaches, you know, 99% threshold in a year, it activates, but otherwise it's a flag day in three years. I don't know. Now I'm just making crap up and we go through this crap every single time we have a soft fork. It's this long, arduous, endless battle of who does it and where's the client. And I mean, so Bitcoin, we're just going to wait for Bitcoin Core to do it because they don't, they're, they hate implementing and advocating for any sort of plan because they aren't Bitcoin. They're not in charge. So we do this every time. There's no process. There's no, there's no quote unquote leader. So it's just this giant mess of arguing and bitching and timelines and clients. 
but be ready because that's going to happen and we're probably going to get back into that mode so we'll have something to scream about it and scream about and hate each other about like we always do well it'll, it will never run dry when the bear market kicks off into a bull market and we think we like each other again then we'll be getting into soft work territory and i promise we'll all hate each other so everything will be like it's supposed to be so with that Thank you guys so much. A shout out to Shinobi uh, for this piece and always with the technical breakdowns. Uh, a thank you to Swan and CoinKite for supporting this show. Do not forget to check out if you're trying to do your business or retirement or anything like that or just your DCA. Check out Swan, swan.com slash guy. And then, of course, stick that shit on your cold card. There's nothing that lets you sleep as comfortably at night as automatic withdrawals to your air-gapped cold card hardware wallet. Do it. You won't regret it. Thank you guys so much for listening. I love you all. I am Guy Swan. And until next time, everybody, take it easy, guys. The best way to find out if you can trust somebody is to trust them. Ernest Hemingway.